Sometimes, when the moment is right and the sparks fly, dating can be magic. But even the most romantic connection can get a little awkward. And the dog's kind of watching us at this point, and so it started to lick my ear. True Dating Stories is the new CBC podcast that explores the messy corners of romance. Real-life tales told by the people who live them. I'm tied up on this dude's bed, and there's nobody around to help. True Dating Stories is available from CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hello and welcome to Laugh Out Loud. I'm your host, Ali Hassan. And today we have two brand new comedy sets to take the late October chill off you. First, we start with a set that we recorded at the Big Sound Comedy Festival in Perry Sound. Here is Canadian Comedy Award winner, Kyle Brownry. Oh, thank you guys so much. You know, I gotta say, I am always so amazed and so impressed whenever somebody buys a ticket, comes to a theater, comes to a comedy club, comes to a venue, and actually supports live stand-up comedy. That absolutely blows my mind, you know? I appreciate that so much because if I'm being honest with you, I wouldn't. Oh my God. No. I hate doing things. I really do. I am an indoor cat. You know what I mean? I'm almost sad that the pandemic is over because we have to leave the house again, okay? That's where I'm at right now. My idea of heaven, honest, sincerely, my idea of heaven, I like to get, uh, I like to stay at home. I like to get really high. I like to watch American Dad. I like to watch Roger Heavy episodes. I like to eat Maynard's wine gums in the order of orange, yellow, purple, green, red. I also have OCD winner, gangyo. And... <sighs> that's what makes me happy, you know? But I, it's good. It's good that we're working again. I, I should, I do appreciate that. You know what I mean? Because comedians, we have not been working for the last two years because our job is what? Non-essential. <laughs> and honestly, fair. <laughs> I don't think me driving to Timmins, Ontario to ask an audience member, what's your name? And she's like, Jessica. And I'm like, gross is essential, you know? <laughs> I get paid for, it's not essential, you know? So during the pandemic, we were taking any gig that would come our way. We would take anything that we could. Not that the landscape of opportunity in Canadian entertainment has ever been glamorous to begin with, right? Like most Canadian gigs are like, catch Kyle Brownrigg this weekend at Overtime Sports Bar and Grill and Landfill, right? Like, <laughs> Sudbury, here I come, you know? Like, yeah. Next stop, Hollywood, you know, like, but that's Canada. We don't have a star system. You have to work on the road a lot. And uh, you have to understand, like, I have to perform in places like Elk Lake, Ontario, right? And I perform in, like, Legion Halls and bowling alleys. And whenever I perform in these small towns, like, they have never seen one of me before. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> they see me on the horizon like I'm a gay mirage, and they're like, what the heck is that? Get the gun. What? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> 
We did a lot of weird shows during the pandemic. And when I say weird shows, by the way, I'm not even including those Zoom comedy shows. I don't know if you logged into any of those gems uh, where we were like, you want us to do what on webcam for money? Okay, but like what? No, I'm not even. When I say that we did weird comedy shows, we did a comedy show that it was at a drive in movie theater because of all the COVID restrictions. And you're like, okay, well, that makes sense because like it's outside. People can sit in their lawn chairs. You can space yourself out. You can wear a mask or not. You know, that's a choose your own adventure kind of situation. That would make sense. Was that the reality? Of course not. Instead, they just told everybody, yeah, just go ahead and park your car wherever. Oh, and by the way, instead of laughing at the comedian's jokes, just go ahead and honk your horns. (laughs) Dreams. Uh can come true. Wow. I've always wanted to headline five o'clock traffic. Are you serious? <laughs> that's Canada. That's just, that's how it is, you know? And uh, I am grateful to be working again, though. I, I really am. Uh, and uh, I, I'm touring a lot. I just did a tour through small town Alberta, or as a gay person, we call that rolling the dice. Oh my God. That is, <laughs> it is rough out there. Wow. Everybody out there drives a Ford F1 hate crime. Oh my God. (laughs) Perry Sound, you're not that far off. Let's be honest, let's keep it real. Let's keep it real. Uh, I already have 9-1 dialed on my phone. Uh, I did a tour through the Arctic, and uh, we started in Yellowknife, and we finished in Iqaluit. I found whenever I tell people that I did a tour through the Arctic, people are always like, oh, wow, you know, I've always wanted to go up there. What's it like? It's boring. Oh, my God. It is literally, there's, it is, it's depressing. There's really, and also, by the way, if you go, I've been twice. The whole reason that you go is to see the Northern Lights. I have been twice, which is accumulation of three weeks in total, and the Northern Lights never came out once. I'm assuming they're homophobic. Are you serious? (laughs) Yes. That's the only reason you go up there. If you ever do find yourself in the Arctic, just a heads up on this one, honestly, Bring food. You'd think they have food up there. They, you go up there, you eat what they, it's whatever is available. That's the situation. Every single morning for a week and a half, the last time that I was there, I, every single morning for breakfast, the only thing they had, the only thing that I could eat was a roast beef sandwich with mustard on Wonder Bread with black coffee. I was firing out torpedoes for a week and a half. <laughs> disgusting. (laughs) Also, I gotta say, I clearly am a city boy through and through. I live in Toronto. Everybody hates me, and that's okay, okay? I am not mad about that. Uh, And if you guys do hate me, don't worry about it. I pay $3,000 a month to live in a basement. It's okay. (laughs) It's fine. But, oh my gosh, one thing that I am not used to when I tour through Canada is how nice everybody is. It makes me very uncomfortable because I am not used to it. If you are being nice to me, I assume that you are a teenager on the subway trying to stab me, okay? (laughs) 
because that is what goes down on the city. So when people are nice to me, I find it very weird. And if you have ever been out east like Halifax, Newfoundland, New Brunswick, people out there are way too nice. Too nice. Because sometimes to accommodate their kindness, they sacrifice their sense of personal boundaries, which can be absolutely terrifying. The last time that I was in Halifax, I was at the Halifax Comedy Festival, also a CBC production. Give it up for CBC, everybody. Big round of applause for them. And we had finished the festival on the Sunday. Our flight was at uh, 10 a.m. And at 7 a.m., the flight, the shuttle, was at the hotel to pick up all the comedians to bring us to the airport. And I slept through all of my alarms because drugs. Okay, let's keep it real. (laughs) Perry sound, you know. um, If you have any, find me in the bathroom. And, uh, for sure. And so, normally a hotel would be like, oh, this person is late for their shuttle. Let's give them a call. Let's knock on their door. Just give them a courtesy check. No, no, no. Instead on the East Coast, they're like, you know what? I'm going to do this man such a solid. And instead of just calling his room, I'm going to go the extra mile. I am going to let myself into his room while he is sleeping. I am going to sit down on his bed. I am going to gently rub his leg. Saying, wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey. I don't know if you've ever woken up in a panic attack before. (laughs) And the thing is, is this man, I know for a fact, he had no ill will in his heart. He was trying to do me a kindness. I understand that. But again, it is terrifying. And I know that he was just doing a kind gesture, but believe me, when I got home, I still took an early pregnancy test, okay? (laughs) Yes. I get very uncomfortable with how nice people are in Canada. I don't like it. I really don't. And when the other day I was back in Toronto, I was on the subway and there was a homeless man that was sitting across from me that had a blanket over his lap and he was furiously touching himself, making direct eye contact with me the entire time. And I was like, I'm home. (laughs) That's my brand. And uh, obviously, during the pandemic, like, all we did was watch Netflix. And I got really into that show on Netflix where it's like, I married my cousin. (laughs) And then I had a baby with my cousin. The crown. So gross. So gross. I haven't finished the new season. I absolutely hate spoilers. Don't tell me what happens to Diana. Okay. And, uh... All right. And, uh... Whenever I was a kid, I used to think that all British people spoke like the Queen. Like, I thought that if you were British, you would just say things like, Oh, dear. And, Good show, old boy. British. And you're like, that's a really naive thing to think. And you're absolutely correct. It's just that, like, hi, I'm from Ottawa. I'm from the East End. The only accents that I was ever exposed to was like, look at Buddy doing 120 in the flipping shoulder, eh? <laughs> Top cheeseburger, don't mind. 
Right, right. And French people, we would park the car side the beach, you know, like. <laughs> I just, I thought that if you were British, you just went around saying things like, Prime Minister. Thank you for coming on such short notice. Have you met my cousin, husband, Philip? <laughs> this isn't even a joke. This is literally just a fact. Uh, Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip were third cousins. Who's hungry? Okay, that is <laughs> super gross. So all of that grossness and uh, incest and everything, aside, I, I believed it. I believed that if you were British, you were just super fancy. And I thought that was a thing. I just thought if you were British, you were super proper, super rich, super fancy. Until one day I heard Adele speak. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, what is that? And people are like, that's British. She's from North London. Like, that's Cockney. She's British. I'm like, no, I don't think so. There's something wrong with her operating system, I think. Have we just tried unplugging her, leaving her for 10 seconds, plugging her back in? Let's do like a full power cycle. Because I think that we can agree that whenever Adele sings, she sounds like an angel. But whenever she speaks, it's that kind of British that it's like, hello, love, right? Like it's that, <laughs> she's coming to sweep your chimney. You know what I mean? She's like a bar wench from Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, you'll have another point then. Like that kind of British, right? And listen, don't get me wrong, I am the hugest Adele fan. I really am, don't get me wrong. I will follow her until the end of the earth. We are the same age, I am a mega fan. But I just gotta say, how many breakup albums is this girl gonna put out until we're like, it's you. Uh, <laughs> for sure, yeah. What's the common theme here that we got, right? And I real I know what you're thinking. You're like, okay, like just saying that she has like kind of a gross accent, that like that's a very lazy observation. And you're absolutely correct. I'm just saying that if you aren't aware of it, it when she does speak, like it can be assault. You know what I mean? Because you, you have like Elton John, you have Dua Lipa, you have like the Spice Girls, Amy Winehouse. When they sing, you're like, you're like, okay, but then they speak and you're like, yeah, I could kind of see the British accent. But with Adele, like I'm saying, if you're not ready for it, like it truly, it's like an attack. Like obviously I have seen her live. Like whenever you're gay, you get two free tickets with your welcome basket. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> obviously. And she's singing Someone Like You and it's this like beautiful moment and you're like, oh my God, I've never heard something so beautiful. But then the second that that song is done, it's just, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and you're just like, shh, don't ruin it. I was almost there. All right, thank you so much, Perry Sound. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. That is Kyle Brownrig, and you can find his debut televised comedy special, Introducing Lyle, on Crave TV right now. All right, a few announcements for comedy lovers today. We are coming to the Okanagan to record an awesome live comedy show next weekend. On Friday, October 27th, we'll be in Kelowna at the Rotary Arts Center with an awesome lineup of comedians featuring Kelly Taylor, Amanda Rose, Sunny Dollywall, Charles Haycock, Kate Belton, and Lars Kaliu. You can reserve your tickets and find out all the info at okanagancomedyfestival.ca. 
We're also going to be in Winnipeg at the Gas Station Arts Centre on November 22nd. And tickets for that show are already moving fast. The reason is the terrific venue and the lineup of hilarious performers, which includes Paul Roblaskis, Emmanuel Lemuro, Danielle Kayahara, Spencer Adamus, and more. You can reserve your seats for that show at our website, cbc.ca slash laughoutloud. And finally, a great comedian and friend of the show, Ryan Belleville, is touring across Ontario right now, between now and December. And if you live in the province, please check out ryanbelleville.com for all that info. The movies are back, baby. And if you're looking for a weekly podcast to keep up with all the new releases and all the hottest news and rumors coming out of Hollywood, check out Movies Baby with Five Wise. Is Emma Stone on track for greatest actress of all time? What's the best Godzilla movie of all time? What's up with John Cena? Love Lies Bleeding? We'll take more where that came from. What movie should have won Best Picture at this year's Oscar? You can listen to Movies Baby wherever you get podcasts, and you can watch Movies Baby live every Thursday night on YouTube at Movies Baby with Five Wise. Movies, baby! All right, let's get back to our show. This next comic tours around the world performing stand-up and hosting a very popular roast battle series. From a financial-themed gala at the Winnipeg Comedy Festival, here is Dana Shanwar. Keep going, I have all night. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh man, we're here to talk about money, so obviously they brought in a millennial for some reason. Actually, where are my millennials at? Let me hear you, make some noise. Yeah, yeah. You hear that tepid, exhausted reaction? <laughs> That's what happens when you're like beaten down by a series of unprecedented events all your life. You know, 9-11, the Great Recession, record inflation like is this our life or a marvel movie it's one disaster after another and including like an actual two-year-long plague we just came out of a two-year-long plague that's almost as long as an indian wedding <laughs> two years actually you know what we could <laughs> we could be at an indian wedding right now i had no idea like we don't know when one ends and the other begins at this point it's just like a one long mobius strip of lights and sounds and colors God, man, we're so broke. We're like, millennials, we're the brokest generation in history. Like, each millennial has so much debt, we all get honorary Greek citizenship. Every single one. I have so much debt. At this point, my debt repayment plan is climate change. That's it. I'm just waiting for my, for, for the great flood, it's coming, we, we're, we're due, the odds are pretty good, and I'm, gonna be the last, I'm not gonna be the last guy paying off my loans right before everything goes to hell, you know? And oh, by the way, if the banks want their money back, all they have to do is stop investing in oil and gas and give me a planet where I can pay you back on, otherwise, see you guys later, apocalypse is coming, it's nice. Actually, one of the things that happened to me after the pandemic, my habits changed, my spending habits changed a lot. I actually barely spend any money anymore. And I don't know if you know this, but a weird thing happens when you don't spend money. It um, accumulates. <laughs> Did anybody know this? <laughs> like, it actually becomes a bigger pile. <laughs> like, the other day I'm looking at my phone, I'm like, whose money is this in my bank account? <laughs> It's always been. Did you guys know that not spending money feels just as good as spending money? Did you guys know that? Anybody here? Yeah, my mom did. Apparently, she's been trying to tell me. Should have listened. 
Actually, like everybody and their mom, um, I got into the stock market during the pandemic. I don't know about you guys, but I took my government stimulus money, gave it right to Wall Street, cut out the middleman. <laughs> Why bother? Here you go, Goldman Sachs. You know, but all, all jokes aside, all jokes aside, you should learn how to invest, how to trade in the stock market. Like for me, just, just last month alone, last month, I made 3,000 mistakes that ruined me financially. <laughs> I am, I'm so broke. I've even, like, I'm so, actually, hold on, sorry. I learned that when you're an investor, you're not broke, you're on margin, you know? <laughs> You know how when uh, rich people make money, it's called good business, but poor people making money is called a hustle? Yeah, it's like that. <laughs> I'm not broke, I'm on margin, okay? I am so on margin, the bank owns my sperm at this point. <laughs> like, generations are on margin right now. Generations, like, and I think the problem is my stock picking technique. You know, most people do research or whatever. I pick stock symbols based on porn categories. Same number of letters, guys. Hey, I bought several hundred shares of BBW. Okay? Um, build a bear workshop. Okay, everybody <laughs> calm down. They're actually up 5%. Uh, then I bought a lot of shares of Cuck, um, C-U-C-K. Cuckoo Home Systems went bankrupt. So I got cucked on that one. And um, <laughs> bought a lot of shares of MILF, M-I-L-F, MILF. Not a real company, my money's gone. Don't know what happened with that one. It's gone, that's it. Don't take financial advice from a comedian. <laughs> Man, I try to distract myself with movies, but it's even hard to watch movies now because of how different the world is compared to before. Like, I was trying to watch an older one that I wasn't allowed to as a kid. Uh, you guys know about Indecent Proposal? Anybody here? People have watched it? Okay. If you haven't, let me give you a quick recap. And this is, it doesn't make sense in today's economy because Indecent Proposal is about a broke couple, Woody Harrelson and Demi Moore, and they're offered $1 million for one night with Robert Redford. You guys are looking at me, but that's the whole plot. That's it. That's it. That's it. Like, in 1993, this was the worst thing that could have happened to you. In 2023, that's OnlyFans content. Okay? <laughs> The husband should show up, be like, yeah, let's make this happen, man. Like, one night, a million dollars? Like, he, Robert Redford's literally offering you to make you an overnight millionaire. But that was, that, that, didn't, that didn't fly in 1993. And also, this wasn't like some kind of gross billionaire, like not some Donald Trump-looking guy. This was Robert Redford circa 1993, okay? Like, I'm a millennial. I know him from 2015's Captain America 2, The Winter Soldier. You know, he was roughly like 200 years old at this point. Still looked great, looked better than me. He's a movie star, of course he's hot. Like, how is this a dilemma? You know, you got circa 1993 Robert Redford offering to pay you a million dollars to have sex with him, and you are married to Woody Harrelson, <laughs> who's been broke and ugly in every decade. He's been ugly. He doesn't age, but he stays ugly. I don't know what's going on. Some kind of sideways Keanu Reeves situation here, but he's frozen in time. This is how, how is this a dilemma? How is this a two-hour movie? Like, if Indecent Proposal was made today, it would be called a super reasonable proposal. Right? And, and, and it wouldn't be a two-hour feature. It would be a TikTok. Okay? That's how long this takes. Okay? First 10 seconds, Woody and Demi, they're broke. Middle 10 seconds is the sex. Last 10 seconds is them looking for a one-bedroom basement condo somewhere. Because that's what a million dollars gets you not right now. Yeah, man. Can't even watch old movies anymore. 
So I'm up here. Actually, um, I mean, I, I've been doing stand-up for a while now, and I used to have to hide it from my parents. It's not the best paying job, so I, I had to hide it from my parents. But nowadays, uh, being a comedian is actually a viable career option in the eyes of South Asian parents, you know, because of people like Russell Peters, Hasan Minaj, Lily Singh. You know, they've, they've really made it happen. So it's now viable. It's right up there with doctor, lawyer, and engineer, you know, to be a comedian, yeah. But the problem is they expect me to make as much money as a doctor, lawyer, <laughs> engineer. I'm like, well, I know laughter is the best medicine, but I'm not getting paid like a surgeon. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. I actually, um, I actually quit a pretty lucrative corporate day job to do stand-up years and years ago. And when I tell people that they're very supportive, they're like, oh, that's great, you're an artist, you know, go follow your dream. No, I'm mentally ill, okay? Okay, millennial is just code for broke, mentally ill loser at this point. That's what we're all about. Don't make these choices. They don't take one-liners instead of money at the rent office, yeah? Yeah, this is not a good, so like, after I quit my job, just to make some little money on the side, you know, I started selling a little bit of marijuana, you know, which was, uh, which was a great job to have pre-legalization, guys. That was, that was sweet. You could easily make 80 to $100,000 a year doing nothing but selling weed. Like, I don't know why I'm telling you this right now, but I ended up having to quit that too, because it started to bump against my stand-up schedule. You can get too busy to sell weed, apparently. And, uh, <laughs> I used, to be, I used to be paranoid that my mom will find out I'm a weed dealer. Now I'm paranoid she'll find out I quit yet another $80,000 job to do stand-up comedy. Our culture is making money, okay? Like, well, I mean, I'm doing a week well, okay? Like, I've, this, is, uh, this is my fourth CBC gala here at the Winnipeg Comedy Festival, so things are going well, thank you. Thank you. And, and you know, you guys know what successful Canadians do, right? You guys know what successful Canadians do? Move to America. That's, I'm not doing it. I'm absolutely not doing it. I have a couple of reasons. First of all, well, three reasons. First of all, Canada's amazing. But more importantly, thank you. Yeah, best country in the world. But more importantly, if you want to go to America as an entertainer, you have to get this uh, artist visa. It's called the Extraordinary Ability Visa, okay? <laughs> extraordinary Ability, costs about $10,000. I have to fork up a bunch of money and be extraordinary for the right to get shot in a mall in Ohio. <laughs> no thank you, not gonna happen. But also, I feel guilty. Like, I don't think I could sell comedy tickets to people who don't have healthcare. You know, I don't think I can do that. I'll be like, bro, this was $40. <laughs> You're limping. Take the refund, get an x-ray right now. <laughs> Go out there. <laughs> you know, laughter's not really the best medicine. They just tell you that because you're not covered. <laughs> That's the only reason. Yeah, not gonna move, not gonna move. I mean, you can tell I'm not great with my money. I spent it on tattoos. I got a bunch on me here. I actually have a tattoo of a microphone on my chest. Remember when I said I was mentally ill? You guys remember that? <laughs> I'm not well. There's a mic tattoo on my chest. Doesn't work or anything. <laughs> my favorite part about this is uh, there's a very specific kind of heckle I will get occasionally. Every now and then some guy will be like, oh, you got, a, you got a microphone on your chest? Looks like a penis. You're gay. You got a penis on your chest. You're gay. I'm like, first of all, how am I gay when you're the one imagining a penis on my chest? <laughs> like... <laughs> You know how in cartoons when somebody's super hungry, everybody looks like a chicken nugget if you're starving? Like this guy is seeing penises on chests everywhere. <laughs> you know, and this is a pretty photorealistic mic. It's got cross-hedging ridges. If, you've got, if, you, if your penis looks like this, go get checked out, bro. We, got, we have healthcare here. And also in this day and age, who uses queerdom as an insult? You know what I mean? Like you know how powerful I would be if I was brown and gay in entertainment? <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's one more checkbox. I would be rich. 
I would actually be rich. I wouldn't have to do this gala anymore. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And thanks for listening, guys. That's my time. Have a good night. See you guys later. That is Danish Anwar with a tour of his bad life choices. And just for the record, I find Woody Harrelson very attractive. You can find more of Danish and his heretical views at danishanwar.com. And that is our show. My thanks today to the Big Sound Comedy Festival, the Winnipeg Comedy Festival, as well as sound engineers Kyle Kudasevich, Brian Harder, and Jared Hillel. And a special thanks to my producer, Lee Pitts. My name is Ali Hassan. Thank you for listening to Laugh Out Loud. We'll see you back here real soon. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.